Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Praise God. Now, I just want to get something out of the open before we start this whole church thing. I'm losing my voice. It's the youth leader's fault. Had a youth leader's retreat and I yelled a lot. And so at times in this sermon, I'm going to get excited. I'm going to yell and then my voice is going to crack like a 14-year-old boy. And you're not going to laugh at me. You're going to intercede for me. You're going to speak in tongues. You're going to believe that God would put his oil on my throat. Okay? So, praise God. You well tonight? Thanks for coming out. That was a good word. Hey, Pastor Cody. And sheesh. Hey, I did this uh, every service today, and I'll I'll do it again. I think your senior leaders are some of the best people I've ever met in my life. And so, Pastor Ken and Chrissy, even though they're ministering in Manila, we honour you tonight. Thank you for letting me stand on your stage. And uh, I'm telling you, you're a blessed church. Look at you turning out 5 p.m. Man, Nations Church, how good. How good. Well, if you don't know me, my name's Fred. My full name is Frederick Callum Porter. Uh, I am married to a lovely girl uh, called Anna. She's the love of my life. Uh, I lost five wedding rings in our first year of marriage. One scuba diving in Fiji, like the second day. Uh, And so after five, Anna said, you trying to get rid of me? I said, no, absolutely not. I just keep losing them. So she branded me like cattle. Uh, And so now I am her property. That's weird. Um, But she's awesome. I think we got a photo of of my my lovely wife. And there she is. And so, uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, real quick, if you're under 40 and and see, actually, just if you're single and you don't want to be single, serve God. And uh, good things will happen. And uh, a 10 out of 10 woman will look at you like that. You know what that is. Those eyes are, let's have another baby. That's what those eyes are. And so uh, that's good. Speaking of babies, six weeks ago, we just had our first baby girl. Uh, There she is. Little Micah doing her thing. And uh, oh, with the Nikes, she's the love. Dude, I can't look at that. I'm going to start crying. (laughs) Um, Man, far out. Okay. So I'll see her tomorrow, uh, and that's going to be good. But um, God is good, and, and as Pastor Shannon said, he's, yep, there you are. Uh, we're taking on uh, Kingdom Culture Church in five weeks, because, you know, newborn baby, take on a church, you know what I mean? Life's not busy, we'll be fine. Uh, and so we're really excited and uh, excited for what God's going to do, but I'm excited for what God's going to do tonight. I believe that at the 9 and at the 11 today, we had great services. And I think this morning, I don't know the exact number, between 10 and 15 people said yes to Jesus, uh, which is the greatest miracle, uh, which is amazing. And we had full altars. But I'm going to be honest, I'm on my last legs, but I'm going to preach like a dying man to dying people. Uh, and so I'm going to give you everything I got. And uh, like at the 9 and, and 11, I was kind of like, you know, respectful on the altar. Like, you know, like there's some older people and stuff. I'm, I'm, we're going in tonight. Okay, we are going in tonight. Okay, so just imagine, just, and if you're like, I don't know if I'm feeling it, just pretend I'm Corey Turner or pretend I'm Bill Johnson or I don't care what you do, we're just going to see the spirit move. Hey, <laughs> shut up. I want to preach to you a sermon tonight called The Two Twelves. The Two Twelves. We're going to, now, 5 p.m., we're going to read a chunk of scripture. Okay, is that all right? <laughs> Be awesome if you were like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So it's Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. I think it's going to be on the screen. How are we doing, team? We got the, got the stuff there, I believe. If not, you'll just have to trust me that it's, that it's in there. Praise God. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, 
a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Jairus was Pentecostal. And he went with him. And <laughs> thank you for the delayed laugh. And a crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard reports about Jesus. <laughs> I love that. Do you remember when you first started hearing reports about Jesus? Maybe if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, you started hearing about these crazy people that go to this place where like there's peace and joy and it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. She had reports about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. We know the story, right? For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, someone say immediately. immediately. The flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. I love this. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about the crowd and said, who touched my garments? I, I think this is crazy. If Jesus felt something leave him, what did she feel hit her? <sighs> like Jesus walking through a crowd and stops and goes, someone touched me in faith. I would love to know what she experienced. And his disciples said, I love the disciples because the disciples are me. And sometimes they're you. You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you said, who touched you? <laughs> Thanks, guys. You're awesome. And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Not your theology, not your church attendance. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This is where the story gets crazy. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house, Jairus, the pastor we talked about before, saying, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? A couple things. One, that's full on. Secondly, Jairus needs better friends. You know the friends that have no push through? It's like, dude, God's abandoned us. It's like, we've been fasting for one day. It's like, yeah, but I'm hungry and God's abandoned us. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to, the, to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James. Jeez, even Jesus controlled the faith in his environment. And we're hanging out. There's no time. There's no time. Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing. And we entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside. I did a little study into that. You know what it means? He put them all outside. Like he's a good, good father, but sometimes he is so, so gangster. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he's like, she, you know, he's come in, Jesus, you know, the chosen with the curly hair. And he's like, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they're like, ah, ha, ha. he's like, say what? Get out of this house. Twice we've seen Jesus remove things from his environment that bring the faith level down. Jesus, God with skin on, removed things in the environment that brought the faith level down. We're hanging out with, oh man. There's no time, it's a different sermon. But he put them outside and took the child 
his father and mother and those who were with him and went into where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kamai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. There's a little voice break for you as well. <laughs> and they were immediately overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them, give her something to eat. Father, I pray in the 32 minutes, praise God, in the 32 minutes we have left, you would do something supernatural. Father, let this not be information. Let it be revelation. Let us not just have a church service. Let us encounter you through your scripture, through your power, through your anointing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Oh, praise God. Youth retreats, man. I was talking to uh, one of my early day youth leaders the other day. His name's Jeremy. Jeremy used to pick me up uh, from from school, and he was just one of the quintessential youth leaders. And, and then uh, I fell away from God, and my, my parents were our pastors, and I just didn't want anything to do with it. I just, I'm telling you, man, pastors, kids, we got issues. We got issues. Gents, we got issues, man. And I don't want to throw any shade, but we're damaged, but we'll be okay. <laughs> and so, let's just pray. And so, anyway, Jeremy was so pivotal in me coming back to the Lord and one of the first things he did after I recommitted was he really went from being a leader to being a friend and he invited me to his 21st birthday. And I said to him the other day, I said, he messaged me congratulating me on, on baby Micah and I said, Jeremy, you are a huge part of Micah being born. He looked at me like I was insane. He said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I said, no, Jeremy, I'm not talking about that. That was all me. But, but what I want to tell you, Jeremy, is that your 21st birthday that was based on Captain Jack Sparrow, we all came as members of the Pirates of the Caribbean. It was very fun. I was walking around going, why is the rum always gone? You know? and, and, but there was a girl at your 21st. And I was only in year 12, and there was this 22-year-old girl. And, and I met this girl, and the first thing we said to each other was, do I know you? She said, this is what she said. No, I feel like I know you. You know, she probably said something like, did I used to babysit you? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm a man. <laughs> I, ne I, I had never been babysat in my life. <laughs> and we went away and we didn't see each other for a while, but then I went to a church and saw her again and got to know her and we became friends. And years later, years later, like, this is legal. <laughs> it's fine. No one cares when the guy's younger. You know what I mean? We went on a date. We went on a date. It was amazing. We dated for three and a half years. We got married. I'm telling this to Jeremy. We got married. We went on a journey. We did what married people do. And now Mike is here. But I never would have met her if you hadn't had a Pirates of the Caribbean 21st birthday party. So Jeremy, thank you for your involvement with Micah. He looked at me and he said, that's a cool story, but you phrased it weird. <laughs> I said, that's fair. See, when me and Anna met, we, 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 did, we genuinely, like we, we felt like we knew each other. We, what we didn't realize, obviously, is God is the great orchestrator of our story and our stories were linked. And we just really read two stories. We read a story about Pastor Jairus asking Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And we read a story uh, about a woman with an issue of blood. 
really, I've heard these stories preached many times separately, but not often together. But to preach one without the other is to do a disservice to the magnificence of Jesus. Because these two twelves are linked. I think we've got a, uh, let's look at the text real quick. Let's look at the differences between the characters. If we could put that on the screen, team, we've got a list of what Jairus is and what this woman was. I mean, the first thing is, it's a bit, it's a bit skewy, but I'll explain it to you. So Jairus was a man, which does not make him better. But it did back then. <laughs> it does not. It does not. Female preaching, come on, ladies. ITG. But... Back then, if you were a man, you had an advantage. You probably still do today, which is sad. He also had money. This woman, we don't even know her name. Jairus is rich. He has servants in his house. This woman is poor. Jairus is respected. Hey, yo, Pastor Jairus, you're awesome. You know, sometimes when like a pastoral leader walks in the room, he just it's just a respect when Pastor Ken walks in with his swag, looking 30. You're just like, hey, hey, Pastor Ken, how, how are you? You immediately become 14. You're like, hey, Pastor Ken, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, Ben Fitzgerald walks past at, at the convention center. You're like, <laughs> This woman under Mosaic law is considered unclean. She cannot have a family. She cannot even enter certain areas of the city. We have two people at massively different ends of the spectrum. Jairus has a family. He's got a daughter. He has kids. This woman cannot have kids. And even if she had the fertility ability to have kids, she can't get married because she's ceremonially unclean. And kids was the way you preserve your family lineage. And if you're a woman, it's how you socialized. This disease has robbed this woman of everything. Jairus has kids. Jairus is probably viewed as pure and clean and anointed, and this woman is seen as unclean. What I love, what I love, what I love, what I love about this is desperation really levels the playing field. You might be in here and you might have a Tesla and be on 300K, and if you are, praise God and let's go for a ride afterwards. But real talk, you might be in here living week to week, paycheck to paycheck, you might be in here and you had a great upbringing. Christian parents, you might be in here and you don't know your dad. Maybe you don't know your mom. I don't know. What I do know is desperation is the great leveler. Because we come to the feet of Jesus and he doesn't see status or money, clean or unclean. He says, my kid. And that's what church has to be. And that's what the church has done wrong is we've created systems and hierarchies. But Jesus says, come one, come all. He doesn't respond to status. He responds to hunger. I wonder if desperation has left the church. I think desperation is often the doorway the breakthrough walks through. And sometimes we're too cool to get desperate. You know, we're doing our worship frisbees. You know, the team is singing, you know. I can't, I can't sing at the moment, but, you know, worthy. And then going into those bridge and Christ be married. I wanted to sing so bad. I'm there like, dang. But I had to save my voice for you. You're welcome. But sometimes we, we, we just come into church and we get so familiar I'll be honest, that's why I like standing next to Pastor Matt when he's worshipping. He doesn't hit every note, but there's no question of his hunger. It wasn't meant to be that funny. <laughs> but I'll tell you something, he doesn't care. 
Why? Because he's not singing for you. He's singing to him. He's desperate. Oh man, can you imagine sometimes being the host of heaven? This isn't in my notes. But looking down at churches, Gabriel and Michael, like, are you seeing this? Are you seeing them there worshiping the boss with their latte? Are you seeing them scrolling Instagram during the worship set? We worship perpetually. They can't worship for 20. And they wonder why they're not getting their miracle. Now, just to be clear, that's Michael and Gabriel. Jesus wouldn't say that. (laughs) Jesus would be like, I love them. They're going to get there. They got this. Get off your phone. I died for you. (laughs) We got to get a bit desperate. People sometimes say to me, where's your favorite place to preach? I'm like, well, Hillsong. (laughs) But no. (laughs) Really, if I'm honest with you, I've probably preached in over 100 churches in Australia and many more in Asia and and, and America and different places. This is what I care about. Don't get me wrong, a good stage helps. Good sound, LED, giant palm fronds. (laughs) Very helpful. But the best place to preach is where people are hungry for God. Give me, give me 40 smelly year 11 boys that love God over a room of a thousand bougie stuck-ups that don't think they need help. We need to be a people that are like, man, I need God. Man, this, I gotta hurry up. But man, this whole faith walk is predicated on need. You gotta say, I need you. And so what happens is we come to the cross and we're like, I need you. And like three months later, we're like, I don't know if I do. Seven months later, we're like, I definitely want to do things my way. We don't say that, but our theology is revealed in our behavior. Jesus doesn't care what you say. He cares what you do. (laughs) Anyway, that's not what we're preaching about. Let's delve into the details of the text again. Jairus is in a hurry. He's got the, can you imagine? This isn't a small thing. His daughter is dead. By the way, reading this story a couple of nights ago, now, it hits way harder than I'm a parent. Before, I was like, his daughter's dead and he needs Jesus. The other night, I was like, his daughter's dead. <laughs> Jesus, go to his house quickly. <laughs> He's on his way. Jesus, let's go. Jesus, let's go. My house is this way. Let's go. Jesus stops. Who touched me? Cyrus is like, are you serious? Everyone's touching. Let's go. He stops for the woman with the issue of blood. And all of a sudden, in the middle of Jerusalem, the two twelves are touching. I started watching a show because of Pastor Cody, actually, a couple years ago with my wife called This Is Us. I don't know if you've seen it. Has anyone seen This Is Us? Oh, like two people. Well, this analogy isn't going to work. But... Essentially, it's a show about family. <laughs> it's a show about, I'll tell you, bro. It's a show about family. <laughs> but what it is, is it jump cuts through this family's entire life, the ups and the downs, and it moves around. It's so emotional. If this story was picked up by This Is Us, it would have been incredible viewing. Because 12 years prior, a couple are walking out of Jerusalem General Hospital with a baby. A baby girl. They're so excited, man. Oh my goodness. Baby girl, we've been waiting. This is exciting. And then the camera pans to the clinic. And a woman is walking out 
with a diagnosis that has changed her life forever. Same year. The writers are very clear to let us know this is both a 12-year situation. 12 is one of those numbers in the Bible that you don't need a degree in biblical numerology to know that it, it means something. It's like it's kind of everywhere. Well, prove it, Fred. I will. The 12 sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. When the Old Testament high priest would meet God on behalf of the people, he'd wear an ephod covered in 12 precious gems. The New Testament high priest, who is Jesus, is seen teaching in the church at the age of 12. Jesus was teaching in the temple at the age of 12. When he picked his crew, he chose 12. There was 12 is the number of tassels on the hems of the garments back then because it represented authority. 12 is the number of governors. 12 is the number of authority. Where's he going with it? I don't know. Your awareness of Jesus' authority will directly affect your faith. If faith is the anchor, authority is the rope. Because you can be in a boat and have, I've got faith. You throw an anchor out, nothing happens. That's what we do as Pentecostals sometimes. I've got a need, Jesus, I've got faith. But it's not attached to his authority. Jesus, in his earthly ministry of three years, showed authority over everything to give us a blueprint. He showed authority over storms, food. <laughs> I need to show more authority over food. <laughs> over death, over demons, over sickness, over attitudes. Do you know this one time when the religious leaders had a bad attitude and Jesus went all Obi-Wan and Kenobi on them? He was like, they're in the head of like, who is this man to do this? And he looks and goes, is it harder to do this? Or to forgive him. If I was one of those religious leaders, I would have been like, oh, he's a Jedi. <laughs> if a keyboardist had come, that'd be amazing. Save us from ourselves. I want to give you a couple of points because really this story, I think, can be a great encouragement to all of us and what Jesus does in it. The first point I want to give you tonight is an awareness of authority unlocks fast faith. An awareness of authority unlocks fast faith. Faith is one of my favorite topics in the world and authority, God's authority has become as well because I realize they're so linked. We see some examples in scripture, right? Like I love Pastor Jairus. Pastor Jairus gets in there, he's like, teacher, teacher. He's like running around, teacher, hey, I need a house visit. I need you to come to my house and lay hands on my daughter. Nothing wrong with that. That's a level of faith. Then we see a woman who's like, I don't need a house visit. I just need to touch him and I'll be made well. What's on him will get on me. But we see in another synoptic gospel, a greater display of faith. A centurion comes to Jesus and says, there's an issue at my house. You don't need to touch me. I don't need to touch you. You don't need to go there. I know you just need to say one word. And because you're under authority, you have authority and my servant will be made well. And what did Jesus say to him? I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Do you realize what he just said? Sorry about it. He just said, I have not seen faith like this in the disciples, in the temple, in my mother, in John the Baptist, a Roman centurion, because the Roman centurion understood authority, he realized Jesus must be under a different authority and he didn't need to move, go, change. He just needed to say something. Where's your faith at? 
Do you need to be in a building for Jesus to move? Or do you believe you can be at home by yourself and go in the name of Jesus? Be made well. In the name of Jesus. Shift. In the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about using Jesus as a magic wand. I'm talking about an understanding of the Most High God. An awareness of authority. If you don't believe in someone's authority, you will doubt the truth of their words, said Thomas Aquinas. Customer service is an interesting thing. It's uh, very frustrating sometimes. I particularly hate telephone companies. Not the people in them, just the telecoms. And one time I got a bill for $700 from Optus. I'm gonna call them out. And uh, I called them, and I don't wanna throw any shade, but there was a young girl on the other end of the phone. And God bless her, Jesus loves her, she's got a future and a calling, but she was useless at this job. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, um, my bill's gone from $40, because I've paid the phone off, to 700 She's like, yeah, Mr. Porter, I, I don't know. Like, I think it might be your data. I'm like, I haven't been to Mozambique lately. It's not my data. We went back and forward for about 20 minutes. At the time, I was a youth pastor, so I was like, I can't yell at her because that could cause issues, trauma. You know, she's a daughter of God. But I did say this. Can you, um, can you put me on to the manager? She's like, um, I'll go check. I'm like, don't check, put the manager on. She comes back and she goes, oh, uh, the manager's having a look at your account. He's gonna call you back. I said, oh, you know when they say that and just fear grips you? You're like, I've been on hold for 40 minutes. I've been talking for 40 minutes. Please call me back. And so I get a call back about five minutes later. This lady. She goes, how are you, Mr. Porter? I just want to apologize. We accidentally put a wrong account onto your uh, phone bill and that was our bad. That was someone else's. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna do this, Mr. Porter. We know that you've been with us since you were in like your eight, your nine, whatever it is, young age. And so we're gonna give you three months free service. I'm so sorry for the, for the issue and the problem. Have the best day. I said, well, that's right. <laughs> I said, what happened? I talked to someone with some authority. Watch this. Stop taking your problems to places with no authority. Facebook doesn't have any authority. Your friend group doesn't have any authority. Take your issue to the Holy of Holies. Take your issues to leaders and mentors that will prophesy over you. Take your issues. I know it's fun to post about it. You know those Facebook posts? It's been a day, dot, 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 dot. So no one cares, bro. You thought I was coming at the girls, not guys do it. Oh, just going through some stuff. Da, 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 da. Come on, take your issue, your pain, your disappointment. Take it to the throne. Take it to the manager. Take it to someone that can do something about it. Your friend can't fix your grief or your disappointment or your pain, but I know a person. Oh, I know a person with holy hands who loves you and cares for you and will come and meet you wherever you are and will come into your space and your mess and go, hey, son, daughter, I got you. The jurisdiction of Jesus knows no bounds. We've somehow cordoned off Jesus from areas of our lives that we think He can't help us in. We've gone, I got you in the church area, but the porn area, I'm too far gone. Oh no, Jesus has all jurisdiction, friend. All jurisdiction. Oh, my kid that's far from God, I pray, but it's too far gone. No, He loves them more than you do. Oh, I've had anxiety and depression. I've been out of sleep for so long and 
You might not say to yourself, it's outside the jurisdiction, but your faith is faulted. We're here to tell somebody that Jesus knows no bounds. His jurisdiction knows no bounds. All right, number two, we're almost done. An important interruption. An important interruption. I hate getting interrupted. My wife interrupts me so much. To be fair to her, I talk a lot. But she'll do this thing where there'll be like four, four of us in a group and I'm talk, telling a story and she'll like talk to the person opposite me a different story. And I'm like, babe, the group's not big enough for that. <laughs> She's like, oh, I just wanted to tell them about that. I'm like, no, no totally, just wait till I'm done. I'm like, oh man, is he lighting his wife up, wife up a little bit? <laughs> Being interrupted can sometimes be a good thing. Faith's not about your timeline. Jairus is like, Jesus, miracle now. Nothing wrong with that. He's like, let's go to my house. He gets interrupted. Can we just empathize with Jairus for a couple of moments? My daughter is dead. He didn't have a headache. He didn't need a bit of money. His daughter was dead. I picture, friend, I picture us in the church when we've prayed and we've believed. And then everyone around us seems to get miracles. What about me? I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm believing. Jesus stops. Who touched me? She hides time. She comes forward. She says this. She told him the whole truth. She told him the whole truth. She. I don't know about you, and I don't want to stereotype in the house of God. But when I come home from work and Anna goes, hey, can I tell you about my day? I literally ask her, I'm like, is this going to be like a synopsis or like a play-by-play? She's like, get a pillow. I remember once she was working at a vet and she had a bad day. She's like, we need to talk. I was like, I got you, boo. This is a pillow. We good? We good. She doesn't mind. We've got a very honest relationship. So I laid there and I listened to her tell me the whole truth about the day. It was rough, I'll be honest. Like a bunch of dogs died and stuff happened and stuff was going on at the vet, like it was full on. But I wanna tell you, the whole truth takes a while. So Jairus is waiting like, ah, this is annoying. Like my miracles was in motion and now it's not. Someone else receiving a breakthrough before you is not a hindrance to your miracle. It might be the catalyst for it. Learn to rejoice when others in the church receive breakthrough. Someone's blessing for you is not a curse under your family. God blessing them does not mean He's forgotten you. He just doesn't operate on our timeline. Last point, number three. If the band could join, that'd be amazing. Is I respectfully decline. I respectfully decline. I love Nando's a lot, a lot. You are one of the most brilliant worship leaders in the entire country. Just want to let you know. I can say that. I've preached a Hillsong now. He's talking about that a bit. Is he like flexing on us? Absolutely. And so I love Nando's. I love Nando's a lot. And a lot. When I got that, I got home and Anna was reading. And I was like, babe, look, I've got a Nando's tattoo. And this is what she goes, 
that's a life decision, isn't it? We've got a great marriage, okay, just letting you know. If I went to Nando's and I said, hey, um, can I get what my usual order? Can I get a vanilla Coke? Can I get a half chicken and chips with a creamy chip dip? Uh, extra hot on the chicken with extra basing on the plate. That'd be awesome. And I went and sat down and the waiter come over and said, hey, um, I know what you ordered, but we changed your order. We, uh, we've done the avocado salad for you, sir, with a sparkling order. The fire of God would come up in me. And I would look at him and say, that's not what I paid for. That's not what I ordered. I, I turned into a bit of a mama, but get me some chicken. That's not what I ordered, then that's not what I paid for. You see, some of you are letting the waiter down there decide what you're gonna eat. You see, Jesus paid for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, but the waiter's coming out going, depression, anxiety, fear, that's yours, and you're eating it. It's not what you paid for. It's not what you ordered. It's not your inheritance. It's not your portion or your garment. You have to start looking at the devil. Man, we need to get like, we need to get a little bit more Pentecostal. I know I'm a filthy Pentecostal, but we need, you know what we need? We need to be like 80s mothers, 80s Pentecostal mothers who stand when the devil messes with their family and goes, mm-mm, not in this house or she cut up. And these are the days of your servant. My, my mother had a tambourine. We need a little bit old school. We need to respectfully decline. The people in this text, they respectfully declined. Jesus was controversial. But Jairus went, I don't care. I'm going to the teacher. He would have had people going, he's not, he's not part of the religious. I don't care. My daughter said, I'm going to the teacher. He pushed through. He declined what they said. The woman with the issue of blood, do you know the bravery and the courage it would have taken her to leave her house and push through a crowd? People would have known. And she's like, I, I got to get to him. I got to get to him. Her inner monologue would have been, you're dirty. You're disgusting. Get out of here. You don't belong. And this woman, I could cry, man. This woman looked in the face of culture and said, I respectfully decline. I'm going to touch the hem of the garment of my Saviour. I'm going to see something ship and then our final character Jesus does this as well Jesus heals the woman the issue of blood then he goes to Jairus' house he takes his boys he takes his faith squad in and he prophesies to the dead bones and goes she's not dead she's just sleeping that was kind of Jesus' line when people had died why? because faith, hope and authority calls those things that are not as though they were and people that are in the middle of wailing and grieving start laughing at him. And the Son of God, whew, the Son of God turns around and goes, nope, I'm here on assignment to raise someone from the dead. This is the thing, this is the thing. I know I've got to finish, but this is the thing. Shouldn't they have been excited that the healer was there? This is the thing about church people sometimes. <laughs> They would prefer you to stay down in pain because then you might need them and get free and give glory to God. And so instead, of, you know what those people should have done when Jesus said she's just sleeping? Someone should have stood up with a hanky. Is there a hanky here? Someone should have stood up and gone, she is just sleeping. Another person should have stood up on the other side of the room and gone, go ahead, Messiah. Let's do this thing. Another person should have started speaking in tongues. He said the Holy Spirit hadn't even come yet. That's a good point. 
But instead, they tried to drain the faith from the room. You know those Christians, right? Where the room lights up when they leave? Be a person of faith. Be a person of positivity. Be a person that in the midst of incredible odds and opposition, you say, God is good. He's been good. I'm not saying be unrealistic. Do what you can. But when it says in the Word, when you've done all else, stand. You need to tell some things to man tonight. Oh man, I'm not even, Matt, I feel the anointing. I, uh, you need to tell some things to get out tonight. There's some things in your life and your family. There's some parents in here. You need to tell some things to get out of your house. I'm not talking about your kids. <laughs> you need to tell some things to leave. Something I'm so thankful to my parents for is their ability to cover me in the spirit. It was weird sometimes. Sometimes I like had a legitimate flu. And I was like, Mom, I need to stay home. I liked school. I wasn't like trying to get away from it. She's like, lift your hands to God. She's like jolly. And she was like, oh, I'm like, can I just go to bed? She's like, give me your hands. Oh, God, the great healer, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. How provide, oh, God, as you did for Elijah, as you did for Moses. Lord, would you heal him? The most frustrating thing was it worked. to tell things that don't belong in your house to get out, don't belong in your heart to get out. Because when you're free and when you're available to God, He'll use you. Uh, do we tonight, do we have that picture of Martin? I told this story this morning. I think, I think we might. I, I'm believing in faith. Come on, Martin, it's coming. Martin is amazing. Martin is an older man that's a car salesman. And last week, there's Martin, man. <laughs> We're youth leaders, there's Martin. <laughs> so this is my last story, and then we're gonna pray for everything that moves. So <laughs> some of you are like, cool, I'm staying still then. <laughs> last week I went in, I needed a new car. We just had a baby and, and we're rocking like I-30s, and I was like, we're gonna get something. So I walked into Tesla and uh, I couldn't afford anything, so I went to MG. <laughs> and uh, I went to the demo section of MG and I walked in and I'd just come from the gym, which is why I'm looking so anointed uh, in my slides. And I went in there and I was like, hey, I'd like to buy one of your demo model cars. And this guy, Martin, was like, absolutely, bro, come into my office. I'm like, oh, this is great, Martin's gonna help me. So I go into Martin's office, close the door, sit down. He looks at me and goes, I died once. I said, what are you, what? He goes, it was in New Zealand. I had a heart attack. They had to revive me with defibrillators. I said, oh, wow. He goes, I think there might be a God, bro. I said, I agree, but what's happening? He said, when I died, I went to this place, this like dark smoky room. And he's like, I could feel in front of me, hope and life and love. And under me, I could feel fear and dread. He's like, and then they brought me back. He's like, and I've never really talked to people about this, but bro, I think there might be an eternity. I'm sitting in this chair at MG in Redcliffe, like what is happening? I just wanted a car. In my head, I'm like, Lord, is this you? He's like, what do you think? <laughs> 
I said, Martin, why are you telling me this? He said, I just felt like you'd get it. I said, mostly. The Lord says to me, call out his prophetic gift. I said, Lord, I don't know if he's a Christian. God said, stop arguing. I said, all right. I said, Martin, do you think you have a prophetic gift? He said, what's that, mate? <laughs> it's funny because like, you can't make this up. I remember feeling like I was in like, like a different dimension. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so I began to tell him, I was like, it's foresight. when God speaks, he reveals things. He begins to, for 15 minutes, tell me about prophetic moments he's had his whole life. From when his grandma used to look after him all the way through to now. The Lord says, pray for Martin. I said, Martin, I would like to get the car at some point, but I would love to lay hands and pray for you. Is that okay? Martin goes, that sounds great. Stands up, pushes his chair out, walks out his office door and walks in the middle of the showroom. I said, Martin, Martin, Martin. <laughs> I said, we can just do it in here. This is what Martin, who is about to receive Christ, said to me. Oh, if we're going to do it, might as well do it in front of people. I don't want to dampen the faith in the room, but I'm going to be super honest with you. I said, let's come back a bit towards the office. <laughs> he was like, all right. <laughs> so there in the middle of MG, I laid hands on Martin. Prayed the sinner's prayer together. He felt the Spirit of God fill him. Finished up and I was, I was a bit like, isn't it funny? Like God does what He says He's going to do. And you're like a pastor and you're like, now what? It's a bit awkward. <laughs> Martin goes, oh, that was great, mate. He goes, can I have your number? I was like, yeah. He's like, I just want to text you if I ever get any of those prophetic things. I was like, have my number, bro. And then I bought a car. I didn't get a good deal either. <laughs> I should have been like, Martin, if you want another prophetic word, free carpet, free mats. <laughs> Martin. If you want me to heal your knee, a better model. <laughs> no, no, that would be terrible. That's not funny. I thought about it. All right, I'm gonna check that everyone here is saved and then we're gonna go into a time of ministry. Why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads. I wanna give you a Martin moment. And then we're gonna give you a moment where maybe your 212s would touch, where maybe you would be able to step out. Maybe you would be able to respectfully decline. Maybe your awareness of authority would go up. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.